How many of you have realized that Jesus has his own timetable for doing things? And his timetable may not, very often does not, line up with, with your timetable. Has anybody, anybody realized that yet? Yeah? That has become uh, very apparent to me over the last several weeks. Um, my timetable... God's timetable are, are not matching up. Uh, that can be very frustrating to us. That can be very frustrating to us at times when, when that sort of thing happens. And what we have to understand is that we see uh, just something very small. Uh, it, it may seem very big. I've been reminded of that here lately. Oh, you're going to laugh about this and... and Weeks and, and months and years to come. You'll look back at this. It'll just be a little blip on the radar. And, and, I, and I do believe that. I believe that that is true. But in the here and the now, it's kind of inconvenient. We just see what's right in front of us sometimes. But Jesus sees a much bigger picture. He sees the beginning. He sees the end. He sees everything in between. But for us, it's very it's very frustrating. We want, to, uh, we want to know sometimes how it's all going to turn out. I love, I love John chapter 11. It, um, I, I think I told you last week, maybe the week before, Philippians chapter 2 is one of my favorite uh, texts. Uh, it's kind of like when someone asks me, Rodney, what's your favorite song? I, I, I don't know. What day is it? What song am I listening to right now? What's on the radio? I don't, you know, there are, it's, it's hard to just pinpoint. I find that way with scripture. I think, man, Romans chapter eight, that is, that's one of the most powerful chapters in all the Bible. And then I re- read John 11. I think, oh, I think that's my favorite, you know? Um, but I'm very excited about the text this morning. Um, there's so much in it. I fear that if I, if I try to, to preach the whole chapter that um, we'd be here for a while. You guys would become angry. Your timetable would not be the same as my timetable. Um, so we're, we're just going to see uh, how far God allows us to go this morning. Let's just let the Spirit uh, speak to us. Let God speak to us. I think the safest thing we could do this morning is open the Word of God and let God speak to us. Let's bow and pray. God, our Father... We love you. Father, thank you that we've been able to gather around your table. I pray that uh, we realize that you were present here. Your Holy Spirit was, was among us. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here this morning in this place. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Father, as we open your word, may our hearts and our minds be open that we would truly learn from you today. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. The word of the Lord, John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. I think that's in Luke chapter 10, a beautiful, beautiful story um, of how this sister 
anointed Jesus. Uh, That's a sermon all in itself. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. See, we kind of just jump right in here into the middle of this story. There's obviously a lot of backstory here, some of which we're not privy to. But it seems that throughout the, the New Testament scriptures that it's safe to say that Jesus uh, had a very special relationship with this family. Lazarus is the brother. He has two sisters, Mary and Martha. Uh, he, he seemed to have stayed in their home on more than one occasion. So, so there's a relationship uh, between Jesus and this family, so much so that when Lazarus is sick, they send word to Jesus. Jesus, the one that you love, is sick. So that must uh, say something to us about the relationship that Lazarus had with Jesus, that, that they would be able to say, Jesus, we know you love Lazarus. The one you love is sick. And so they send word to Jesus. Jesus is about a day's journey from where they are. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Okay, I want, us to, I want us to think about this for a moment. This sickness will not end in death. If we look at the whole time frame of the story, Lazarus probably has died. He may have already died by the time they got to Jesus. Or if not, he must have died soon thereafter. Because when we come back, we'll see later in the story that Lazarus has been dead for four days. So it took them a day's journey to get to Jesus. There's going to be some time that goes by, and then there would be a day's journey back. So it's very real possibility that Lazarus has just died or is going to die very soon after they, after they get to Jesus with this message. But Jesus said this sickness will not end in death. But yet if we've read the story, guess what? Lazarus died, didn't he? Jesus is speaking about some... See, we, we see this. We see what's right in front of us. Jesus sees a bigger picture. He sees, he sees all. And he says this is going to happen so that God can be glorified. So that this is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And I think that that's sort of twofold what Jesus is saying here. I think obviously what he's saying is that I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead and that's going to bring glory to God, to God's Son, and it's going to happen so that you might believe. But I think there's a bigger picture here. Yes, they're going to be, uh, they're going to marvel at what Jesus does in the raising up of Lazarus. I hope I didn't spoil that for anyone Spoiler alert. Uh, Hopefully you've read the text before, but if not, I just spoiled it for you. It's really good stuff. Jesus is going to be glorified in that moment, but this is also going to hasten um, the death of Jesus himself. We'll, We'll see that in the text. That may be next Sunday. 
But because of these events, it's going to hasten what's going to happen when Jesus is taken to Jerusalem and he's crucified. And ultimately through that, guess what? God is going to be glorified. Jesus is going to be glorified. So I think it's a two-pronged thing here that Jesus is talking about. Yes, he's going to be glorified through the raising of Lazarus, but it's also much, much, much bigger than that. Verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I like that that he states all of them. He doesn't just say Jesus loved all of them. He says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. So Jesus loved them, but he delays. He loves Mary, he loves Martha, he loves Lazarus who is sick, but yet he delays for two more days. Now I think we would maybe like to read that that verse and we would say, um, we want to say something like this. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus ran as fast as he could to come to Lazarus's aid. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, uh, he went to um, he went to rent a donkey and he got a donkey and he and he rode as fast as he could to get back to where Lazarus was so that maybe he could get there in time. You see, because. While Lazarus was still alive, there were some things that could be done. Maybe you go to, uh, to the drugstore and get him a prescription, uh, get him some drugs, get him something that could help him. You see, while he was still alive, uh, there were some things that possibly could have helped him. But Jesus, upon hearing, he doesn't rent a donkey. He doesn't run as fast as he can uh, can to get there. What does he do? He, he says, let's wait a couple of days. Does that sound right to you? Is that what you would do in the situation? See, this is what we see, right? Just what's right in front of us. Jesus sees a bigger picture and he has something bigger in mind. Let's read on. He said to his disciples, I'm in verse 7, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? I mean, just a chapter ago, when you turn back to chapter 10, we see that the Jews tried to stone Jesus. They, they, they were ready to kill him, and it says that he, he escaped their grasp. I'm not exactly sure how that, that happened, but John makes it very clear that Jesus could not die before, before the appointed time. That was not going to happen. This, that was not his moment. So the Jews tried to stone him, but uh, Jesus escapes their grasp. But, but that's not lost on the disciples. The disciples are saying, Jesus, you want to go back to Judea? Don't you remember that just a very short time ago, just a chapter ago, that they tried to stone you? 
And you want to go back there? Jesus answered them, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. What does that mean? What is he saying? Well, just in, in layman's terms, he, he's saying, we got work to do. There's stuff that's got to be done. we got to go back to Judea. There, there's some things that have to be done. A man works by day. When night comes, he can't work anymore. So there are things that need to be done, and we're going to do them while we can. Okay? We're going to work while we can. Very, just very simply. Verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. They had no idea. Well, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Uh, that seems like a natural response, doesn't it? That's the kind of response that you and I would have. Lazarus has gone to sleep, and I'm going to go wake him up. Well, if he's asleep, he's going to get better. But then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, look at this, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. But let us go to him. All throughout John's gospel, John is, is, is saying that Jesus did these things, these miracles, these signs, these wonders, not just for the purpose of healing a sick man or, or restoring um, sight or taking a cripple and, and, and allowing him to walk again. All those things were beautiful. All of those things uh, were amazing. But, but Jesus didn't just heal just to be healing. The reason he did those things was so that they might Believe, so that they might believe. Look over at, at, at John chapter 20. Uh, this is really the purpose, the purpose of this book. John 20, and then fast forward to verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. You understand that, that we, we don't have everything that Jesus did. Somebody has calculated this. Somebody has gone through and read and, and calculated that in the Gospels, we have snippets, not full days, but happenings, snippets of about 40 days in the life of Jesus. Did you know that? That's all that we have. Snippets of about 40 days in the life of our Lord. And so John says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs that we don't know about. We talk about all the miracles that Jesus did. We just have maybe a handful of them recorded. He did many other things which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's why he did it. 
He said, I am so glad that when Lazarus got sick and died that I was not there. Because I'm going to do something so that you might believe. Because if you believe in me, you will have life. You will find real life, what life is really all about. But let us go to him. Now look at this. I, I, I love this verse right here. Verse 16. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. <laughs> what is Thomas known for in Scripture? What, what is it? Doubting Thomas. Isn't that what we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. When Jesus, post-resurrection, he shows up in the upper room to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And so when Jesus, you know, reappears, Thomas says, I'm not going to believe unless I can, you know, see the nail prints, see where they pierced his side. Jesus accommodated him, didn't he? He said, touch, see, see. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. We always give Thomas a bad rap. Doubting Thomas. Don't be a doubting Thomas. But look at what Thomas says here. They just said, Jesus, are you going to go back to the city where they tried to stone you? So soon? That's what's on Thomas's mind. Jesus says, yes, we have to go. We've got to go to, to wake up Lazarus. And Thomas says, let's go with him that we may die with him. Do you see the loyalty that Thomas had? It was a misguided loyalty, I'm sure. He was thinking an earthly Messiah, and that's what Jesus was in his mind. And if Jesus is going to go back there and they're going to stone him, I'm ready to die with him. Let's all go that we may die with him. I love that. On his arrival, verse 17... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He'd been in the tomb for four days. That is so significant to us. The Jews had a common um, belief that when a person died, the, the spirit of that person would hover uh, around the body for up to three days. Uh, possibly maybe might re-enter the body. And then the, the person would, would awaken, would be resuscitated. So there, I, I don't know if this was myth, if, if, uh, legend, some sort of lore. I'm not sure how the Jews came to, to, to believe this. But it was a very common belief that the spirit would hover around the body for up to three days. So Lazarus has now been dead for how many? Four days, right? So what would that say to the Jews there? Lazarus is not just dead. He really dead. He ain't coming back. Not going to be any resuscitation this time. Not going to be a, you know, Catching of the breath, he's alive. No, no, no. He's been dead for four days. He's not just dead, he's gone. No chance. 
Not going to come back. Do you think Jesus came back at this time on purpose? Do you think that's part of why Jesus delayed for two days when they said, Lord, the one you love is sick? And he says, I hear you, but let's hang out for another couple of days and then we'll go. Do you think that might be the reason so that when Jesus shows up on the scene, there is nothing that man could have done. No pill, no prescription from the Jerusalem pharmacy was going to help him. Lazarus is not only dead, he's really, really, really dead. That's when Jesus shows up. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. That's going to be so important, and I I know we're going to have to talk about that next week. Many, this is important, many Jews had come to comfort them. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever said, have you ever thought, Lord, you could have done something. You could have done something about this situation. Why didn't you? Where were you? When I was a youth minister, I wore a younger man's clothes and had, sort of say younger man's hair, I had hair, period. Some hair. I was a youth minister in Mobile, Alabama. Western Hills Church of Christ. Our secretary, she was in her early 40s. She was always walking. She was always um, mindful of her health and and eating well. And the preacher and I, um, there was this little place down the road that, that served beignets. You guys know what a beignet is? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of a beignet. It's, uh, they, they kind of make them there in, in New Orleans, New Orleans. Uh, it's a pastry, puffy, donut kind of concoction that is fabulous. More fattening than a dozen donuts, probably. But we would say, um, Debbie, go get us some beignets. She said, I can't eat those things. You know that those are not healthy and... And we're like, come on, you just, you know, we'll just have one or two. You don't have to eat any. But then we'd always say, oh, come on, have a, have a beignet with us. And, and we didn't do this every day, but, you know, a couple of days, a week maybe, we did that. Um, but we would have her go get beignets. Um, beautiful, lovely woman. She found out she had cancer. And so we began to pray as a church. 
for Debbie. Everybody loved Debbie. She was the church secretary. Everybody knew Debbie. She knew everyone. We began to pray. And things weren't really improving. As a church, we began to fast and pray. There were several gatherings where that's all we did was pray, sometimes weep before the Lord, and say, God, heal Debbie. She had a husband who was not a Christian, and she had two teenagers, a a boy and a girl, and I could not see why this was better for her to be sick or, or to die. We wept, we prayed, we fasted together as a church, and you know what happened? Six months later, from the time that she was diagnosed with cancer, we buried her in a grave. Why, Lord? If you had been here, if you had been here, She wouldn't have died. How is this better? How is this a good thing? That's the way I felt. And not being able to to see Martha's facial expression, not being able to hear the tone of her voice, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure if that's what she felt. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you ever questioned God? It's okay. He's big enough. His shoulders are broad enough for you to question that. But notice... Notice, notice what Martha says. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Maybe Martha was was saying, Lord, I know, I know how powerful you are. I've seen the miracles. I know that if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, even now, even, what, what's even now? Even now, after four days in the tomb, even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Does that sound like some faith to you? Huh? That sounds like a little bit of faith, doesn't it? Maybe she questioned in her heart, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And that's okay. Maybe she said, Lord, I believe in you so much. I trust in you so much. I know that if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But even now, even now, God will give you whatever you you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Apparently the Jews had uh, a belief, at least most of the Jews had a belief that there was going to be an end time resurrection, that there was going to come a time when, when God was going to raise the dead. Now the Sadducees didn't believe that. We know that because scripture tells us that they didn't believe in a resurrection. And the reason we know uh, how we delineate the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. Sadducees didn't because that's sad, you see, right? It's sad to not believe in a resurrection. But here Martha is saying, Jesus says, Lazarus is going to rise again. And she says, oh, I know. I know he'll, he'll rise again in the, in the last final resurrection. I believe that. What did Jesus say to her? I am the resurrection. Did you see that? He says, I am the resurrection. Not just, I am going to do the resurrecting, but he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am that. You see, when, when you and I act loving towards someone, we have to act in a, uh, a loving way. And sometimes it's not, it doesn't always come naturally. We have to do things. Sometimes we have to make ourselves do things to act in a loving way. But God is love. He doesn't act in a loving way. He, he is love. Do you understand that? Can you wrap your mind around that? It's difficult sometimes. But God is not just loving. He is love. And that's what Jesus says. She says, I know Lazarus is going to rise on the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am resurrection. And I am the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies... And whoever lives, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? My question for you would be, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And that even though you die, you will live. Because you will never die. Do you believe that? Martha did. She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. I believe that you are the Christ. The Son of God, who is to come into the world. I can't believe that we're going to have to leave Lazarus in the tomb for one more week. You've got to come back next Sunday, because it's going to be amazing. Would you invite somebody to come next Sunday and hear the conclusion of the story of Lazarus. Would you 
invite a friend, a neighbor, somebody, a co-worker. Say, look, the preacher got lathered up this past Sunday, and he promised that this next Sunday is going to be so good, you don't want to miss it. Would you invite somebody to come back? We're going to, we're going to see the power of God on display in the life of, of Lazarus, and we're going to see the repercussions of that. That's what's going to be so important for us next Sunday. So invite somebody to come. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Because if you do, he has made a promise to you that you will never die, that you will live forever. Even though this body is wasting away and, and if he doesn't return, if he tarries, uh, this body will decay and it will return to dust. But if you are in Christ, death has no hold on you. Jesus is still in the business. Listen to me. Jesus is still in the business of resurrecting dead lives. Jesus has never left the business of resurrection because he is resurrection. And when you put your faith in him and your trust in him, you are raised up a new person, a new creation. The old is gone. Guess what? The new has come. That's what the promise is. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to come down the pike. We don't know if our furniture is going to arrive or if it's not. But we know who holds tomorrow, don't, don't we? We know who holds tomorrow. That's where we want to put our faith. In the one who knows what's going to come tomorrow and the next day. If you've never given your life to Jesus, man, I'm begging you. Why wouldn't you do that? He wants to resurrect your dead life. You say, well, I'm, I'm alive. I'm, I'm kicking. Yeah. But if you don't know Jesus, you're a dead man walking. You're a dead woman walking if you're not in Christ. Jesus says, Come to me and I'll give you life. I'll resurrect that dead life. Give you life eternal. Brothers and sisters, if you've got something on your heart, if you want us to pray about it, that's, another, that's why we're here. Let us help carry that burden. That's what Galatians 6 says, to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. Let us, let us lighten your load.